Being Black in America comes with an array of barriers rooted in years of racism, discrimination, violence, and so much more. School systems have attempted to withhold the true knowledge of Black history through institutionalized racism and blocking direct access to resources. But of course, this doesn't stop the willpower and determination of the many brilliant minds of our ancestors and people of today. Matthew J. Perry, former judge of the U.S. District Court of South Carolina, is a true definition of knowledge is power. Born in Columbia, South Carolina in 1921, Perry was born into the Jim Crow era of segregation and discrimination. In an exclusive interview conducted by Joseph Mosnier for the Civil Rights History Project, Perry dove deep into his life before he even started practicing law. I um, was a student at, uh, at South Carolina State College when, uh, when the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor. Um, uh, a national draft occurred, and I was, of course, a young person who fit within the uh, age brackets, and I received my notice in uh, 1942, and uh, I reported for, for duty uh, near the 1st of, of, uh, of January 1943. Perry always recognized the unequal treatment amongst black folks, but he didn't fully process how much of an issue it was until he was drafted in the war in 1942. His firsthand experience with racism catapulted him into learning more about the law and studying several cases of his day. He recalls sitting in on two different trials in Columbia when he returned home from war, one being George Elmore, who was denied the right to vote in the Democratic primary election, which is a violation of the 15th Amendment. Elmore, who also happened to be represented by Thurgood Marshall, eventually went on to win this case. Then there was the case of John Ryden, who applied to enter law school at the University of South Carolina, an all-white university. He was denied entry, of course, because of his race, and so he sued the school. Also represented by Thurgood Marshall, Ryden eventually won his case, and as a result, the state decided to implement a law school at one of the black institutions, South Carolina State College, formerly known as the Colored Normal Agricultural and Mechanical College at Orangeburg. The school hired faculty and a dean for law students to properly begin their studies, although they were greatly under-resourced compared to their white university counterparts. This case in particular became the turning point in Matthew Perry's quest for purpose in finding his career. The racial practices that I had become increasingly aware of uh, weighed with me. Uh, could I enter some field or study some field that might better equip me to understand what I was looking at, to understand the reasoning for it, and to perhaps, uh, along with others, try to find w some solutions to them. Venturing into adulthood, Matthew decided to attend law school not only to gain knowledge, but to gain a deeper understanding of why the very field he was entering was meant to oppress Black people. Everything changed when Perry finally joined law school in 1951. If you had graduated from a law school in South Carolina, you didn't have to take the state bar examination. You were admitted under 
what became popularly known as the diploma privilege. Um, now, when, <laughs> when the law school at South Carolina State was created, uh, the officials decided, well, look, we've got to do something about this, this diploma, diploma privilege. And so they um, persuaded the legislature to, to enact a law requiring the taking, the passing of the bar examination by all law school graduates. Perry goes on to say that he jokes with law students and tells them to blame him for having to take the bar exam. A legislator wrote to his colleague that the requirement would bar Negroes and some undesirable whites from practicing in the state, according to Dr. William Hine, who taught history at SC State for decades. The low number of black graduates who passed the test after studying in an underfunded school with a scant library proved him correct. Uh, history, of course, will will support my assertion that uh, it was not... Uh, it was not an equal uh, facility. In fact, Thurgood Marshall <laughs> referred to it as a, a Jim Crow dump. Matthew Perry was the only student to pass the bar in his graduating class. He went on to Spartanburg to practice law for the next 10 years and develop his career. After his return to Columbia in the early 1960s, Perry discovered that although he had the education and experience, as a young black man in the South, he was overlooked in many regards, so he decided to open up his own law office. It took Perry years to build a solid clientele, especially considering he lost his first few cases to a clearly racist judge who wouldn't even allow Perry to present his case before finding the person guilty. Perry then learned how to draft a notice of appeal over the decision, and it reached the Supreme Court. Perry finally won his case and got the decision reversed. From then on, word began to spread of Matthew Perry, and as the years went on, his clientele began to grow even more. He went on not only to fight cases on behalf of civil rights protesters and in the name of segregation, but he even became South Carolina's first black U.S. District Court judge in 1979 and went on to serve for more than 25 years. Finally, in 2004, the new U.S. courthouse in Columbia was named in honor of Judge Perry. So many others have continued in Perry's footsteps and have served in the judicial system on all levels. The power of knowledge is infinite, and it's in the hands of those willing to grab a hold of it. History will only continue to repeat itself if, as a culture, we don't fully take the time to acknowledge our roots and those who want to uproot our history. The choice is ours. This is Naia Reynolds with Polaris News Presents.